Welcome, everyone, to this uh, time together. And so I'd like to, to invite you, um, if it's possible for you, to just take a moment uh, to open the eyes if they're closed and just to take in the, the community here on the screen, just like we did at the opening session. I know for myself, I sometimes forget that I can do that. Yeah. So you might choose to kind of let your gaze softly rest with one person or just with a totality of everyone on the screen. Just having a sense, you know, here's another being or a group of beings, you know, that are, that are here practicing, that are here working towards happiness and well-being, yeah, doing, doing that. Just seeing how that resonates, what that does. And if you wish, you can play with how many people you take in. Maybe you've taken in a whole screen and you hone, you, zone, you zoom in on one or two. The sense of appreciation, the sense of you know, gratitude, whatever comes up with a sense of wishing well for these others. And noticing the impact. And as I said at the opening session, you can do this as often as you, as you like. It's, a, it's, a, it's one of the advantages of an online retreat. You do this as often as you like if it feels beneficial. It's to connect in that way. To feel the possibility of connecting. And I said this in the group um, today, I've, it's interesting, you know, when we, when we spend time together, we become familiar with maybe others, maybe a certain set of conditions. Sometimes something that um, was a problem becomes actually a source of joy. And so I was saying that in the group today, that um, the fact that my, my internet has been, you know, whatever I do, it doesn't seem to be as good as it normally is and so it freezes and uh, instead of seeing you which I told you in the previous talk I really I really love engaging with people I like to see your expressions and your movements and um, I kind of just get kind of freezes of beings and I've started to really love it and enjoy it I've started to notice today that you know people freeze and they're so beautiful, you know, I actually get, it's like a portrait of somebody. Yeah. And I see really beautiful expressions or really beautiful moments, you know. I said today in the group, someone was just at the end of the meditation taking their shawl off and it just looked like wings and they froze like that with these enormous wings like an angel, yeah, or a beautiful bird. Yeah. So, so beautiful. And so, you know, sometimes, you know, we keep saying this, it's so much in the way of looking, but sometimes, you know, just through familiarity with something and an openness, yeah, to some degree, then something that was a problem can actually 
kind of reveal, yeah, reveal beauty, reveal connection, reveal possibility. So, in the instructions this morning, um, Nathan was uh, exploring with us you know, the practices for today, um, which are ways of relating, you know, ways of relating to experience that um, reduce rejection yeah, or support non-rejection of experience, uh, lessen the habit of push and pull on experience. So both the Anicca way of looking, the Vedana way of looking, yeah, that's what they do. Yeah. And, you know, it's fine if they don't, they haven't done that for you yet. <laughs> part of why it's called practice, you know. And part of why there's so many different um, ways of practicing, right? Because not every way of practicing meets us. Yeah. So across individuals and across time, we'll find different ways of practicing, different ways of looking useful and supportive. But what's interesting for us, what's important for us is, is not the particular, yeah, but the essence yeah, or the idea yeah, that there are ways of looking and relating to experience that uh, reduce demand and reduce this habit of rejection and of grasping, you know, of the push and pull on experience. And that we can cultivate this, we can develop this over time. And so today I'd like to speak more about metta because metta is also a way of looking. It's also a way of looking. And it's also a way of looking, I can see some joy <laughs> at, the, uh, at the theme for some and maybe, you know, disappointment for others might be less obvious. <laughs> but metta is also a way of relating and it's also a way of relating that um, like Anicca and Vedana supports yeah, the opposite of rejection, rejection and lessens the push and pull on experience. And it does the same thing. So when metta is present, yeah, it can be in a moment, it can be over a longer period of time. When it's present, yeah, when there's any degree of goodwill, of friendliness, yeah. of um, care, of kindness, yeah. when there's any of that to any degree, yeah. how does the heart, mind, body, space feel? I'm going to ask you that question and, and invite some responses in the chat. Yeah, just for now. Usually we want the chat to be silent, but just for now, for this. Yeah. In your experience, when metta is present to some degree, yeah. any degree of goodwill, friendliness, care, kindness, what happens? Yeah in the body, heart, mind, space. Just going to pause here and see what you offer.
What is that space like? What is that experience like? So we have softening, we have freedom and tranquility, expansiveness, connection, unified openness, great warmth, love, upwelling, authentic connection. I missed a few, so I'm going to have to look again. Alive, delicious, present. The exoskeleton comes off, (laughs) joy, warm and relaxed, Mm. presence, openness, opening, warmth and opening, joy, lightness, connection, opening, warmth, beauty, tears sometimes, care, happiness. Beautiful. Thank you. Harmony, yeah, so beautiful. Mm. Freedom from self, mm. yeah, yeah. So when metta is is present, you know, all this richness, abundance of of beautiful qualities, yeah, that that I've just read out, yeah, openness, warmth. Unity, harmony, freedom, tranquility, joy, yeah, connection. Yeah, there's so many. Um, tenderness, yeah, spaciousness, lessening of the sense of self. So many uh, manifestations. And of course, you know, all of these, when we think about, you know, and you can look at the list if you want at the, in the chat, any of these when we look at them, yeah, they're all the opposite of rejection and demand. Yeah? They're all the opposite of rejection and demand. Yeah? When there's warmth, when there's care, when there's openness. Yeah. What lessons? Rejection, demand, push-pull. This is, this is really significant. On the one hand, it seems really obvious. Yeah. And then the other, really significant. So when there's less rejection, when there's less demand, when there's less push-pull, yeah, the other side of the coin from that yeah, is more openness, yeah, more ease, more harmony, yeah, more freedom, more connection. Yeah more warmth. So on the one hand, yeah, we have rejection, push-pull, demand, and on the other side of the coin, when there's less of this, there's more of that. And when, when, when this is present, when there's more openness and less demand, there's less contraction. Yeah. There's less dukkha. Dukkha arises with contraction. Dukkha arises with push and pull. So there's less struggle. Yeah. And people were saying harmony. Less struggle. Yeah. So rejection, demand, push, pull, dukkha, contraction, they all arise together. Yeah. And they also arise with a stronger sense of self. 
this is also quite important. <laughs> There's more for me. What's in this for me? I need this for me. And when metta is present, that core arises yeah, with openness of heart and being, with ease, with spaciousness, with deep well-being, with non-dukkha. And with a less demanding sense of self, a sense of self that's more uh, porous, yeah, has less, the boundaries are less fixed and less limited. And more permeable. And so this is interesting in itself because I think we recognize as human beings that this is a state of being, of more well-being. <laughs> when there's less demand, less contraction, less dukkha, and when the sense of self is more relaxed, more spacious. There's there's more well-being available to us. But this also opens up. It's not only that it feels better, which is enough. (laughs) I could stop here and just say, you know, we could just stay with this conclusion. Ah, this is worth cultivating because there's more well-being here. But it's not just the individual well-being. It actually um, offers us more possibility to attend wisely to our experience. To attend wisely to what is happening also in us and outside of us. So less reactivity, this is the language we've been using. Yeah, less reactivity, less demand, less habitual reactions, more responsiveness. Yeah, this movement from reactivity to responsiveness, the ability to respond. And so this is one of my favorite um, language games, word games. Um, You take the word responsibility and you divide it into two. We get the ability to respond. Response ability. The ability to respond. And it's so interesting, you know, just like (laughs) with that, you know, thing I shared at the beginning about the problem of the freeze becoming a source of beauty. Also, we take that word responsibility, which for many of us might have, to some degree, a negative connotation, uh, you know, of, of, of some degree. We have something heavy or shuddy. And then when we break it apart into the ability to respond, yeah, what a difference. The ability to respond to what is arising in experience. Yeah. That's another, yeah, another way of saying freedom. Yeah. Being free to respond. Having a wide range of responses. Not being bound, not being limited 
to the habits of reactivity. Not being bound and limited to the habits of reactivity. I have to stop because when I say that I get like kind of a <laughs> this really beautiful um, vibration in the back of my body and, and I just have to stop and honor that. Expanding our ability to respond and deepening our ability to respond and widening and opening our ability to respond to life. We've touched uh, a few times, I think particularly in the Q&A sessions, we've touched on uh, the fact that there's many ways, there's a whole range of ways of practicing metta. So many ways. There's, um, you know, the practice as we've primarily been doing it in the guided meditations of using phrases or images and directing the metta towards particular beings. Yeah, that's one way. There's the way that metta appears in the, in the suttas, in the texts, the way we're told the Buddha taught it, which is, you know, to just sit down and gather ourselves and then radiate metta in all directions. Yeah. That's how, you know, it's come down to us in the Buddha's words. There's practicing metta as an attitude of kindness. Yeah. Whether, you know, no matter what the object is whether it's the breath or the body or sounds, just having that attitude of kindness. And kind of, it doesn't matter which way we practice. What matters is we find the way of practicing that resonates for us. Yeah. And for some people, it might be that you're not officially practicing metta at all. <laughs> and you're doing, you know, breath or sound or body. Yeah, some other practice, but you're doing it with a metta attitude. Yeah. You're emphasizing the kindness, the care in the practice, the appropriateness. Yeah. That this is the appropriate response right now. And whatever way we're practicing, yeah, that's part of what I want to say today is whatever way we're practicing, not missing out on the impact yeah, this practice has, any practice, but we're speaking about metta, not missing out on the impact. Yeah. Sometimes we do that. We're so focused on doing the practice that we forget to notice the impact that it has. And this is true yeah, with any, any practice that we might do. So taking time to, to sense, you know, it might be at the end of a practice or at the end of the day to reflect. Yeah? How has this impacted a sense of well-being? Yeah? How has it impacted how experience appears? The metta is, is a really profound practice. I mean, you're probably... <laughs> 
seeing how biased I am. I think it's, it's difficult to hide. It's a very profound practice. Yeah. And it's often referred to as a cultivation practice. Yeah. Word in Pali, bhavana. Yeah. Which literally means to bring into being. Yeah, bringing into being. I often um, kind of feel it as like we're bringing something forth into the world. Yeah. Through this heart and mind and body, yeah, which is our vehicle, our tool, our laboratory, this one. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I wish I could, you know, go and, and you know, be able to practice in, in somebody else's heart and mind, which seems, you know, much more fruitful. <laughs> but this is the one I've got. You know. So we work in this lab in this heart and mind, in this space. And we bring forth, we give birth, you know, we bring into being the beautiful, yeah, the freeing, the harmonizing, the unifying, you know, the opening, the relaxing, the wakeful. You know, we bring it forth into the world. So yeah, cultivation, bhavana, bringing forth, that's what we're doing. So this cultivation, this deep practice of, of metta uh, works on several levels, or we can say it has several threads, which I, I want to unpack a little bit um, with you. So there's several threads of the practice that kind of are happening at the same time. The first is the cultivation of intention and of a way of relating. Yeah? As we you know, come back to metta as an intention, as we come back to kindness as an intention, um, we are strengthening, yeah? strengthening that in ourselves and through that in the world. So this is true on the cushion, this is true in life situations. Every time we sit down to practice yeah, with an attitude of metta, every time we notice distraction and come back to the object, whether it's you know, formal metta practice or you know, a different way of looking or the breath, doesn't matter, but we come back with kindness. Yeah. We come back with non-enmity, yeah, non-ill will. Every time we do that, yeah, we're cultivating this underlying attitude. We're kind of filling up the water pot drop by drop. This is an image the Buddha used. Drop by drop, the water pot fills. Yeah. And if movement by movement, the muscles become stronger. Yeah. Moment by moment, the grooves in the mind are formed. Yeah. So cultivation of intention and way of relating, that's one thread. Um, 
The other is this underlying attitude we bring to the practice, yeah, whatever the practice is, yeah, aligning again and again. The third thread is um, embodying insight. Yeah, I'm going to stay with this for a little bit. Yeah, embodying insight and rooted in insight. Metta is an embodiment of insight and it's rooted in insight. And what do I mean by insight? Yeah. Insight, um, ways of looking that frees. Yeah. Ways of looking that free us. Yeah. That free us, that free, that open up the range of response for us. Yeah. And so Metta is both an embodiment of insight and it's rooted in insight and it brings insight. Yeah. And some examples of this, it's on multiple levels. Yeah. So it's rooted and it's an embodiment of the insight that experience is shaped and fabricated by the way of looking. Yeah, that's underlying. by the attitude in the mind, and therefore it's worthwhile cultivating wholesome attitudes. It's rooted and, embody and embodies the insight that uh, the mind is not fixed. Yeah, the heart-mind is not fixed. Yeah. Just like everything else, it's not permanent. It's inconstant, it's changeable. Yeah. Which means, yeah, it's changing and it's changeable. So it's got pliability, it's got flexibility. And that means we can incline it, we can train it yeah. towards wholesome ways of relating yeah. and away from habitual, reactive, unwholesome ways of relating. And metta practice is also rooted in and also embodies the understanding, the insight that repeating again and again, yeah, that drop by drop of the water pot, yeah, that drop by drop, it changes the habits of the mind over time, yeah, changes the habits of the mind over time, strengthens the wholesome grooves in our mind. And as they get stronger, the unwholesome, the habitual reactions, we use them less and less. And so they weaken. So this is kind of one um, ball of insight threads yeah, that are really important yeah, and meaningful. And another you know, which is also really related to, to metta, is um, seeing our mutual dependence, yeah. seeing that this way of um, living in the world as if I am separate from you and my experience yeah, is separate from you and separate from the way of relating, yeah. it's not a very helpful way. Yeah. Seeing our mutuality seeing that we share some very fundamental things with each other, yeah. such as the wish to be happy, such as the wish to be free of suffering. Yeah. This is true for all of us, yeah, for all human beings. 
and for most, if not all, non-human beings as well. We wish to be free of suffering. We wish to live with happiness, with well-being, with safety. It's true for all of us. And then what happens when we relate to each other from that? When we relate to each other from that understanding and not from the habit of separation? What happens to our own experience? What happens to our sense of well-being and freedom? And what happens to the world? These are really interesting practice questions to ask and to check in with. And so it's quite clear when I asked the question earlier, when I asked um, to to hear from you and got so many beautiful responses, and the question was, when metta is present, what's the experience in the heart and mind? And all these beautiful ways of being, ways of looking were shared. So it's quite clear, when there's metta, it doesn't matter... (laughs) This is so beautiful. It doesn't matter who the metta is so-called directed towards. That's, you know, that's just a form. That's just a useful form for the practice. Yeah. But when we check in with our experience, we see I might be se- sending metta yeah, to someone else. But let's check what my experience is when I'm doing it and when the metta is as our teacher and friend Rob used to say, when the metta's humming <laughs> in the being, yeah, when it's flowing, then it doesn't matter who the metta's directed to, it's present here. Yeah? It's, we're steeped in it, yeah? like a perfectly brewed cup of tea. You know? Just perfection. Yeah. Steeped. Yeah. Fills the being. Metta is here. Yeah? It flows through us. It impacts us. So this kind of opens up, yeah, that metta um, practice is a fuel and a support for further insight, right? Because what does that mean about experience? <laughs> yeah. If I'm sending metta to someone else, but actually that impacts me. Yeah? It goes back to that first insight, and the one that we've been kind of hammering away. Uh, shapes experience is the way of looking and the way of relating. Metta is a way of looking. When it's present, it doesn't matter what I'm looking at. Yeah? It impacts my experience. It impacts my experience. So it can be a support and a fuel for further insight. What do I learn? Having these questions, what am I learning? What's the impact and what can I learn from it? About how experience is shaped. About this strong, strong feeling, appearance that we have of self and other. Self and other, I'm sending metta to you about what nourishes well-being on the deepest level. What can we learn? What nourishes well-being on the deepest level? 
And what more is there to explore? This is my favorite. <laughs> what opens up? What more is there to explore and to investigate and to understand and to play with and to bring meta to? So recently I, um, someone shared this with me and, and I'm going to share this on. Um, just, a, you know, just beginning practicing metta and realizing to their surprise that it was quite difficult to bring metta, to bring self-metta in, to bring metta to themselves. Yeah. Quite, quite difficult for them and it was surprising seeing that it was challenging and then being really interested in why. Yeah. Really, why? Why is this difficult? And so that just opening up, you know, that questioning, not with a sense of doubt, but with a sense of interest and actually meta in there as well. Why is this difficult? You know, you know the way, reminds me of the way really young children ask why. <laughs> you know, and they just ask, why? Why? And it's so open, yeah? And there's so much meta in that interest, in that curiosity. It's like, I really want to get to know life. Yeah. I really want to get to know life. Yeah. And so kind of going into that and exploring yeah, and a deeper understanding. Yeah. Well, this, is, this is challenging. And, and also maybe I don't always need to analyze and, and find out, yeah, this was in their case, exactly the reasons. Yeah. But just that interest. Yeah, just that interest, and then the seeing of the cycle, yeah, seeing of the cycle, yeah. Self meta is a little bit challenging, but that shifts when I see, yeah. This is someone in the caring professions, um, unsurprisingly, really common, <laughs> yeah. Difficult to bring meta to to uh, oneself, yeah. But seeing when I put it in the context, yeah, of this is part of the cycle of bringing metta to others. Yeah? It, I can't actually separate it. I can't actually, if I put that out, something is missing. Yeah? A beautiful insight. Yeah? Just through that exploration, saying, no, it's, it's, it's passing through here anyway. <laughs> yeah? I can't actually stop that. But if I include that and see, it's part of the cycle. Yeah? It's part of the cycle. And it's part of the cycle of all of us, yeah? You know, if we think about the world, yeah? Yeah? That we live in and all the support, all the matter that we receive, yeah? You know, so, so what would, you know, if you think about, you know, if, if all the trees decided, yeah, that, you know, they're no longer going to, you know, they're going to only give meta to some beings, but not to others. Yeah. That would impact all of us. Yeah. So deeper understanding of the cycle, you know, meta is a cycle. It's, it's, we can't limit it. Yeah. We offer it to someone else, it impacts us. Yeah. And we open to that impact in ourselves so that we can better, yeah. We can have more resource. We have more um, ability to respond yeah. to others. Yeah, it kind of goes, you know, cycles in both directions. Cycles in both directions. 
So a deeper understanding just from that question, yeah? I'm, I'm giving this an, as, a, an, as an example of the, this further explorations that open. I'm just realizing something, oh, here's something. Yeah. Seems like it's negative. Yeah. Seems like it's a problem. But what if I bring interest in investigation with a meta attitude and I look at it more and then it opens up something yeah, that's very deep, that goes very deep. And again, it almost then doesn't matter <laughs> if it's still challenging <laughs> to some degree. Yeah. for the matter to flow towards oneself. There's enough of an understanding there to support that and to feel that flow. To see, yeah, it's not really separate. Can't really pick and choose yeah. to offer it to myself or not, to offer it to someone else or not. If I go back to the trees, as if the trees could choose who they give oxygen to. <laughs> yeah, you, but not, you know, not those, those people over there. So, a few last words, yeah. Metta is an expression of where this path is heading. Yeah. It's an expression of where this path is heading. Yeah. A mind and heart without ill will, without cruelty, without demand. It's an expression of where this path is heading. A mind and heart without ill will, without cruelty, without demand. Does that sound like somewhere you'd like to be? <laughs> mm. So remembering, you know, when I speak of metta, I really want to emphasize this. Even if metta practice is not your thing, <laughs> you're still practicing metta. Really important to say that. It doesn't have to be the formal practice. It's knowing that this is the attitude that we're cultivating. This is the seeds that we're watering. The seeds of a mind without ill will, without cruelty, and without demand. And when we say non-demand, also to, to highlight this, non-demanding does not equate, doesn't equal um, letting go of the heart's wish for release and well-being. Yeah, doesn't mean letting go of the heart's wish for the ending of suffering for all beings. Yeah. Doesn't mean that. That can be there. That's actually a deep fuel for our practice, and it's a, a metta. Yeah, it's a metta intention, both metta with, a, with one T and metta with two. <laughs> yeah. Metta intention. And this deep wish yeah, for the ending of suffering of all, yeah, including ourselves, this is the motivation of all Buddhas. So please don't let go of that. Don't give up on that. So metta is an expression of the goal of our path and it's also a way of walking the path. Yeah. It's also the path itself. We can practice it in so many ways. Yeah. So many ways. And we can keep bringing it into being yeah, in so many situations. 
across situations, across conditions. One of my favorite questions to ask myself, and this is both a practice on the cushion and in interactions in the world, is, you know, what does metta look like now? <laughs> Especially when I feel stuck, you know, I feel stumped and I don't know what to do. It's like, what does metta look like now? And it takes many forms. What does metta look like now? It takes many forms, infinite possibilities. So I'd just like to end with a, a small example of the power of metta. Hopefully I'll be able to articulate it. Um, so recently in the last few months, I think since September, I've been participating in a dialogue group um, which is formed around environmental issues but formed of two very particular groups. Uh, one group is a group of people that live in settlements in the West Bank in the occupied Palestinian territories. Yeah. So Jewish Israeli people that live in, um, in settlements in the occupied territories. The other group is uh, also Jewish Israelis, but um, I think they call us the leftists. <laughs> yeah, so people who oppose the occupation. Yeah, oppose the occupation. And coming together for dialogue, the, the emphasis is on dialogue, on listening, um, but around trying to find a solution for a particular environmental issue. Um, that happens to be in an area where the settlers in the group live and uh, the activists, um, like myself, have really strong connections with Palestinian villages in that area. Yeah. So, as you can imagine, not easy. <laughs> not easy. And in December, I, I came to a meeting. The meetings have been on Zoom because of COVID. And I had just done a few weeks of self-retreat before that. And I wasn't doing metta practice, I was doing a di different practice. But I'd been practicing quite intensely for a few weeks. And uh, I had quite a lot of um, trepidation, hesitation around, around <laughs> being in that space. Yeah. Again, because it was very challenging for me, really challenging for me. And I arrived, and, and what I realized from being there, yeah, from the situation, suddenly I was like, oh, something's different. Yeah, what's different, you know? What's different? Something's different. It was like, oh, my whole being is so, my whole heart-mind is so humming with the meta-frequency right now. Meta is so strong, yeah? So strong that I actually don't need to do anything. I don't need to do any work in order to be here. Yeah, whereas in the previous meeting, I really needed to do a lot of work. Yeah, I needed to do, to, to practice metta in action. Yeah, to see people as uh, human beings, to see their beauty, to connect to their good intentions. Yeah. Yeah. To see the complexity. And then I could kind of... And in this meeting, I just felt love. Yeah, I didn't need to do any work. It was a bit scary at some point, because <laughs> I wasn't sure where my views had gone to, um, you know. But I also you know, have enough trust in the Dharma and in myself 
uh, to know that I'm still aligned with what I consider ethics. Yeah, personal, personal view or not. But it was a very powerful experience. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, the, the practice, this is where it's heading. Yeah, this is where it's heading. And metta can appear so strongly yeah, in our heart and mind yeah, that it shapes perception to an incredible degree. And we can see someone and know, yeah, I could see someone and know that I disagree with their choices and their views and yet feel, you know, complete love. Yeah, complete love. And that's, that's had a really uh, lasting impact on the relationships and on the possibilities of, of what we're trying to do together. So I wanted to, to end with that um, as an example. And just to remember, metta is an expression of the goal of this path. And it's also uh, a way of walking the path itself. Yeah. A path that leads to a heart and mind without ill will, without cruelty, and without demand. Let's have a quiet moment together to bring this to a close. So thank you for your presence. for your listening and for your practice. And may our practice together over these days continue to support the well-being of all beings, including each of us. Continue to support freedom from suffering from enmity, from ill will, for all of us. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.